Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie. Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Keith is just drunk on all her strange new words. I love that book. Did you read that book? No, but I heard you talk about it. Yeah, I- <laughs> yeah, I love it. Speaking of books, I suppose we should transition into talking about something book-related instead of yammer. Well, unless, unless, of course, we have to talk about the other thing you sent around, which I just found pretty weird and fascinating. Oh, okay. I can the pelicans deal- sticking their spines out through their mouths to cool off. That was bizarre. I honestly could have lived the rest of my life without seeing those weird pictures of pelicans. Like that was bizarre as heck. So the pelicans. I don't pelican- quite understand why that cools them off faster than because their the inside of their um, throat has it's wet and it has like it's not exposed to the to the. So it's like breathing, sort of. Only you. Yeah, but how much would it suck? You stick your spine out and get sunburned. Then you got the sunburn on the inside. I don't know. I don't know, but this this summer when we hit those 105 degree days, I'm going to be out on the deck going. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now get your spine to come out. Now picture this, friends. This is an actual (laughs) photograph. We're going to put it on our um, squad page, the Three Book Girl Squad. If you're not a member, hop on and request to be a member of the page. Here is what it looks like. It's a pelican, and you know the pelican has an enormous, like, pouch mouth. But to cool off, the pelican opens its pouch mouth extra wide and and thrusts its spine forward so that it looks like it's inside out. Its neck actually protrudes from the front of its pouch. I don't know why, but I really liked the word pouch mouth. Pouch <laughs> mouth. I can't stop thinking about it. It does. It has a pouch mouth. Shut your pouch mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and only we would get it. <laughs> your big old flappy pouch mouth. Oh. <laughs> pouch mouth makes me think of like hamsters with all their. Yeah, they yeah. do have you know, pouches. They- weeks worth of seeds stuffed in there i believe we were talking about hamsters not just pelicans because i showed those pictures to ron he's like that's not a pelican that's the some whatever kind of stork well some of them were pelicans but the one was was some kind of stork that he well maybe that's a regular thing that they cool off by you know sticking their neck out of their mouth obviously it is a thing that we didn't know about baby well, the poor baby that that stork had is gone now because it yeah. got hot. It dumped it into the ocean. Sunburned that baby. <laughs> Sunburning the inside of your throat really does sound painful, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it would not be cool. <laughs> you turn your throat inside out just to stay cool and end up with a huge sunburn on the inside. Fall asleep in the sun with your spine out. <laughs> <laughs> definitely be walking funny the next day (laughs) now i know what the other thing was it was the um hamster crocs oh yeah dude i still look at those and giggle (laughs) 
Those things are so cute. Oh my god! First thing I thought. I need, I need some Crocs for Echo. Oh Jesus fucking Christ! Well, I bet Shan would have them because they have hamster sandals. I mean, really? Come on. Pat should put some of those on her rat, her rat oh, paw yeah, earrings. On the rat feet earrings. Yes. Yeah, so. So the Chinese make the most amazing things. I thought woolly mammoth meatball was weird, but truthfully, these people make weird on the daily. Yeah. Hamster <laughs> crocs. Come on. But do they make croc crocs? Oh, I'm sure. And they're probably... Now, the weird thing was those hamster sandals, I mean... Shein is pretty much known for everything being real cheap. Mm -hmm. And they were expensive for the fact that they were tiny little. And you only got two. And hamsters, as far as I know, have four feet. What do. feet do you put them on? The front, the front of course. Or the back two. The front. Why? Why are the front two? Because they're if, in the if front. It, you if can it see was them ever going to walk erect, it would be the yeah. back two. Yeah, you put them on the back and teach your hamster to walk on its hind feet. Like I go. said, they're not going to stay on the feet very long. They'll end up in the pouch, cheek, cheek pouches. <laughs> and then it'll be a choking hazard. Poor little guys. End up with a <laughs> hamster sandal in the throat. Oh if no, they, they have hamster sweaters too. Oh, oh this God. one has a strawberry on it. What? <laughs> you talk about wasting money. Oh, here you go. Does Echo need rain boots? She does need rain boots. She four gets of money. them for two dollars and sixty cents, and they're pink. I wonder how you keep those on her feet. They have Velcro. Oh, see, there you go. Hey, she gets muddy when she goes outside and. It's raining. That would save me from money footprints all over the place. The size guide isn't very helpful, though. Because they have from small to extra, one of those extra large. That I'm sitting here yeah. thinking, well, I can't believe we're having this conversation. <laughs> oh, this, this size guide's not very helpful. Come on! You have to go by um, measurements. You can't ever go by small, medium, large when you're ordering because... One person small is another person's large. That is exactly right. This is a chicken nugget hair clip. Oh, <laughs> it looks like a dog. Are you sure that it looks like a Sharpay dog? Okay, so in what universe would a chicken nugget hair clip be attractive? Uh, if you worked at McDonald's, I guess, and you were really into selling your food. Lobster sandals. Okay, this website's amazing. Lot for like lobsters to wear or looking like lobsters. Oh, they just look like lobsters. Oh, I was gonna say that's yeah. that's over oh, here. Are cat sneakers? Oh, yeah, I was gonna say cat cat shoes. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> I was just looking at those. Oh my gosh! Wait, I think I just found eggs for the ovipositor. Oh, never mind. <laughs> they looked like it, but they're slimy eggs. You would not want that going up your hoo ha. <laughs> I don't think I would want the eggs that they sell for that alien penis going up my hoo-ha either. My hoo-ha needs to be egg-free. Especially this at your age. This is cleaning mug. A what? Specifically for cleaning your pet's paws. Yeah, Why I've seen those. you just use a normal mug? Well, because it has rubber things, and so when you um, put it in, it cleans them. 
and then you pull it out and it like oh my pulls gosh. all the crap out you're of right it has little bristles at the yeah. oh my goodness i i need one of those for if i could get echo oh, but, to actually for, use it for echo, but... they do make dog crocs hey oh, yeah. dog crocs. <laughs> oh man this is the reason that we're gonna go extinct <laughs> muscle <laughs> arms for your chicken <laughs> i've seen those on facebook i could spend all day looking at this weird ass shit what? what 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 i was talking what? about how i'm gonna go into debt because i want to buy all those things that i do not need like well, what would i would... do with muscle arms for a chicken you'd have to get a chicken you, yeah i was gonna say you can't have muscle arms yeah. for a chicken if you don't own a chicken i would love to have a chicken but um you're not allowed to have them in my borough oh it's very sad sorry yeah, the, the people here were were discussing for the few minutes that eggs were expensive, talking about <laughs> um, having getting chickens. And I'm like, do you have any idea how expensive and smelly and loud that would be? Well, I mean, I mean there if would you be, don't get a lot of chickens. There would be. We're yeah. not talking about. No, they're loud. There would when be, you pass like the Tyson. There would be fisticuffs in this neighborhood if anybody had chickens. It would not go. Oh, there would, because no. These people are dicks. They can't even handle being having neighbors at all, let alone having chickens in the neighborhood. That's why you gotta wait until you move into your unibomber shed in the middle of the woods. Yeah, that's right. And then you can have your own chickens, and nobody's gonna. And a goat, and then you're set. A goat, you can get milk from a goat. You can make cheese. You can make your own soap. Goat milk's disgusting. Goat cheese is disgusting disgusting i love goat cheese yeah but if you took it and then you went like and sold it to people online people pay all sorts of money for weird goat shit i mean not their actual shit but goat products and the goat shit would help with vegetable garden yeah although if i'm gonna move into my unabomber shack i keep a woolly mammoth out there (laughs) yeah because that wouldn't make you easy to find oh and it's just it's that shack up there you won't miss it they have a woolly mammoth as a pet first time it snows that woolly woolly mammoth would be sitting on your shed shitting on your shed yeah that's what i was gonna say just either one would suck imagine the bowel movement size of that creature i'd have to get a bigger pooper scooper when dylan used to have a bearded dragon oh god and i was watching watching your house Mm -hmm. the bearded dragon pooped one time and i didn't know what it was i was like what is this big freaking thing in his cage what happened i thought he had like a baby it looked like a freaking cocoon yep they have weird poop it's because they have a cloaca which is all of the things all together that's why he needs sandals so that he won't accidentally step in that stuff (laughs) Yeah, because it's all fun and games until you step on your cloaca. <laughs> no, the cloaca is what it comes out of. Well, I don't want anyone stepping on that either. Nope. All right. Don't we... make me come over there and kick your cloaca. Hey, <laughs> you can't say kick. <laughs> you got to think of another word. Raise your foot in a forward motion. Although cloaca would be a great word to use as an alternative because nobody knows what the fuck it is. (laughs) Would that be a high five with my foot in your cloaca? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we can't use high five too much though or else then they'll start flagging for that <laughs> she said hi <laughs> above me that song's canceled she's so lovely is it no it's gonna be canceled because they talk about how high she is oh yeah shit what are you doing telling the youth that they should get high no, there'll you. be no more He's Halloween because uh, there are too many men who dress as women and that's evil. So that's like that. What oh, that the pisses trend, me off. every time I think the drag it. show drag show. Yes. Uh, in public. Yeah. There was a, a drag. No more Halloween performer on. I think it was on CNN this morning because there was they were putting a book out about it. About growing mm -hmm. up, you know, and seeing all these different drag performers. So it's sort of like a, a history. It's even got pictures and everything in it. It actually looked like a really good book. I thought I might go get it at the library and have a look. Oh, wait. Oklahoma doesn't allow that kind of thing in the library. Never mind. I'll go buy a copy. No. They don't allow that that any of that in the whole state. So if you buy that book out of state, you better hide it. Yep. They will drag your cloaca to jail. They <laughs> I was going to say, you put it in a plastic bag and put it up your cloaca to bring it home. <laughs> they may they may let you get away with the marijuana in the car, but not the book. Nope. Not the book. <laughs> the uh, I guess it's supposed to be a case that's going to get nationwide attention. A couple of members of a sorority at the University of Wyoming have sued their sorority and it's organization its leaders and its organization because they admitted a transgender woman to the sorority oh what a bunch of pricks man really yeah why can't everybody just get along i don't understand why everybody's so worried about what's in somebody else's pants i wanted to crow about the fact that the power is on and i watched the first two episodes but i'll save that for another day Books are Which awesome. Which service is that on? It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, and well, it's I get it. and it's so far, it's really good because it's got uh, uh, Tony Collette. Mm, yeah, is uh, plays the one of the leads in that. Actually, oh, you're talking about the power. Yeah, I don't know power. what I. Oh, oh wow. I had no okay. clue what she was talking about I thought either. She was talking about the crow because she said crow, and I thought she was saying her power was out. I don't even know. I'm like, oh, when she said, since the power's been out, I thought you were talking about when the power and Tuttle went out. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> I thought the power was out. I thought she said something about the crow. And I was like, they made another version of the crow. Oh, <laughs> this is this the day of being misunderstood. No, the power, the adaptation of the book by Naomi Alderman is on Amazon Prime and is good. Ron, Ron even watched it with me. Or Ron is watching it with me. Is it is the whole thing out or do I they don't do know. I think I think there are three episodes up there. We watched two so far. I don't know if, when the rest of them are coming, but okay. We need to get on to books because my legs are cramping. Well, shit, we're only an hour in. What the hell is your what? What the hell is your hurry? Cripes. We've got extra. With my we've got extra Patreon material today. 
sit with my legs Ooh. twisted too long and they start cramping because I'm old. Okay. We can now talk about books. And I'm hot. Proceed. So. <laughs> You're not even ready. I am. I've had this up for like the last freaking half hour. I was just kidding. The book I read this week is called When We Were Young and Brave. And of course, it's historical fiction, World War II. Back in my groove. Pretty sad. Who's the author? When We Were Young and Brave by Hazel Gaynor. Kind of a, a sad book, but not told in an extremely emotional way. Keith, you probably still should not read this book. Sorry. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> there are animals harmed in this book. Just no. And this is about a missionary school. This is in uh, Japanese occupied China is where this is happening at. And my dog is very snoring yes, today. Sorry. I tried to wake her up a minute ago, but she just went back to sleep. Our story starts out in China in 1941 in a missionary school in China. Not long after the beginning of the book is when uh, Japan invades China, takes over China. Um, they think that they're pretty safe in the school because it's actually a, uh, the kids there are not Chinese. They're British, American, Sweden, and they're basically the kids of missionaries who are working in China. And it's like a boarding school for their kids. And the teachers also are mainly from Britain. So they think that they're pretty safe, but sadly that is not the case. The Japanese take over their school. They're basically held prisoners there. The first thing they do when they take over the school is punch one of the teachers so hard it knocks her down. She hits her head on a desk and that pretty much sets the tone of the Japanese. I shouldn't say set the tone because they're not extremely aggressive against the kids or the teachers besides that one thing at first, but they do that basically to scare everybody else into listening to what they say and doing as they're told. So they're stuck in this school, not allowed to leave. I can't remember how long they're actually at the school with the Japanese soldiers. They're moved twice. Each time is a worse place than the time before. And uh, they're basically prisoners of war for the entire duration of World War II. So about six years. And you get backstories of all of the teachers and, so, and some of the kids. There's really three main kids that it follows. The main characters, I would say, would have to be a little girl named Nancy and one of the teachers named Elspeth. Elspeth and Nancy actually meet on the ship that's taking them to the school from Britain. And um, they've kind of had like a little bit of a connection ever since then. So Elspeth really kind of watches out for Nancy. And Nancy has two other friends, uh, Dorothy and Joan. And the best thing about it is everybody has nicknames. They call uh, Dorothy Sprout because she's so much taller than everyone else. And they call Joan Mouse. Pretty sure that's the way it goes. It might be reversed. I can't remember. It's been a few weeks since I've read this book. And they're just, they're just little girls. 
And the teachers are really the stars of this book because out of everything that happens and that they go through, the teachers have to keep their calm in their head enough so that the kids aren't affected. And they really rally the girls. They make everything an adventure for them um, so that it's not so harrowing and depressing for them. Um, Even when they're in one place that's not very sanitary, they make games on how many, you know, who can kill the most cockroaches and (laughs) who can you know, get the, who can uh, spot the most bed bugs and like things that you would just be disgusted by, they make games out of so that these children who are growing up also. And so you have puberty problems going on besides everything else so that they're just not so overwhelmed by everything that happens. Some of the Japanese soldiers are horrible some of them are not so horrible. There's one in particular that actually kind of, he's almost like a double, a double agent. Like he's a Japanese soldier, but he's also gives the teachers information to kind of help the teachers out. He like will bring the students treats like an apple, a fresh apple or like an orange or something. Just, I mean, just because he's genuinely a nice guy, even though he's He's a Japanese soldier. He was a great character in this book. It was a great read. It's one of those ones that just sucked me in and I couldn't stop reading it until it was done. I think I read it pretty quickly, even though I think it's like a 13 hour book. I'd have to look to see how many pages because I did it on audio. And yeah, it was it was fantastic. Some very bad things happen. I mean, there's trigger warnings for um, animal abuse, violence, rape all of the regular stuff that you would find in a World War II novel. (laughs) Because what else would I read? I would like to think that if I was a teacher at a boarding school like that, that I could keep my calm like these teachers did because they they were the heroes. They really were. I mean, those little girls and little boys, it was a co-ed school. So you have little boy or boys and girls who are taken. There was about a hundred children I would like to think that I would keep my calm to try to keep those children safe. And the teachers, I mean, that's just basically becomes their life is making sure that these kids aren't harmed, making sure that as they get older, they're not in a precarious position with the Japanese soldiers. It was a great book. I loved it. It really drew me into the story. Um, it's not as it is a pretty much a roller coaster ride. And that was called When We Were Young and Brave by Hazel Gaynor. And I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. I'm I'm kind of like Martha. I've had a headache for like the past three days. It makes it where I can't think of the words that I want to say. Kind of like in infestation and occupation. I mean, <laughs> it's really close, but I couldn't think of what I wanted to say. I actually didn't think that I would like this book because when I read the description, and it's a Christian missionary school. I thought it was going to be too Jesus-y, mm. but it was not. That was a nice surprise. I mean, there it's a Christian missionary school. So there is, you know, some praying and stuff like that too, but that's not the focus of the book. So that was nice. Yeah, definitely would recommend it. Five-star read for me. Woo! Loved it. Five-star read. Love it. 
Could, couldn't read anything else for a day and a half. Woohoo! And a book hangover to boot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Keith. So the book I'm reviewing this week is called The Only Game in Town by Lacey Walden. So this book is all about this tiny little town in Georgia. And it's that kind of, it, it's it's got that present day Mayberry kind of feel where everybody knows everybody's business. Everybody's gossiping about everybody else. Everybody's lived there their whole lives kind of thing. And uh, our story begins because like all those little rich, t- all those little towns, there's always one really eccentric like hugely rich dude and this town's rich guy has died and his name was Jasper and everybody loved him and what the town didn't know is that he has always used his wealth to help the town out in anonymous ways and he has a grandson who has always kind of helped him to decide where the money will go so it is his funeral and his grandson Carter has never come to visit him in this town, but Carter comes for the funeral and to figure out like he's assuming that he's going to take the head of the foundation that gives out the money and everything. So he he kind of comes to find out about the inheritance and everything. But what Jasper has done before he died is he made this insanely crazy game kind of i haven't watched the show but i know enough about it that i think it's kind of like and now i've forgotten the name of the show squid because, game what's that squid game no oh. no it's not creepy like squid game uh, amazing race it's like an amazing race kind of thing where ever and everybody in the town is allowed to compete in this game and the prize at the end for the last and everybody gets paired up um, so the, the pair wins his entire estate, which is worth $10 million. So they went, so whoever the two are, they split $10 million. So of course, everybody in the town wants to play and Carter, the grandson is kind of like, um, what? <laughs> so I have to play this game to get the inheritance and to be able to keep doing the foundation. So he wasn't planning on staying in this town, but of course he ends up needing to so that he he can play the game. This book is so hysterical and so funny because it's just, first off, this old man has thought of everything. The games are ridiculous and bizarre. Like one of them is, you know how when somebody wants you to win a truck and you have to hold your hand on the truck? Mm-hmm. Each game, they get rid of like half of the com- contestants. And you have to put, and oh, the, the most awful thing Jasper did was he was really involved with this little town and he knew all the gossip. So he paired everybody up himself. So you don't get to pick who you're doing this game with. And he paired up all the people who had a grudge against each other, had a falling out, hated each other's guts. For instance, our other main character, and her name is Jess, she has just come back to town to take care, to be closer to her father. And she's a book editor and she's just come back from New York because New York was just too big. And she's come to settle down in the town where she was raised, but she was treated really horribly by this mean girl in high school. And 
she's sitting in the bar and the mean girl comes up to her and it's just being a bitch for no reason. I, she just has always hated her. And so she's always really rude. And she, and then of course these two get paired together and they hate each other. And the, the one, the mean girl is just constantly, even though they're supposed to be working together is just constantly putting her down. And one of the games is a scavenger hunt. And, um, you have to find pictures of all these things. And one of the things the mean girl does is they have to get a picture of hair cutting scissors. I don't know what those are called, you know, like specific scissors. Well, there's one beauty parlor in town. So the mean girl goes and this woman doesn't want to let them take a picture with her scissors. So the mean girl makes the girl makes Jess get a haircut like tricks her into getting a haircut so she can take pictures of the scissors and tries to, and makes her get bangs and stuff like that. Like the people in this town are hysterically crazy and they all have people that they don't like for really dumb reasons. And of course, because of Jasper's game, if you want $10 million or $5 million, you have to suck it up and do this stuff with those people. I have never read a book that just tickled me the whole way through like this book. I mean, the games are hysterical. The banter that everybody has because everyone knows everyone. And so they're just always being mean to each other, but you can also tell that they love each other because they look out for each other. And, and because everyone's paired with somebody that they don't get along with, it's just constant bickering and snarkiness. <laughs> And meanness, which sounds really bad, but it's just so funny because these people are just trying so hard to get the money for themselves, but they're saddled with this other person. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was hysterical. It's not smutty at all. Um, it's like it's a closed door romance. So there is a romance, but you don't see like there's not sex or anything in it. But yeah, it was just really fun. If the plot, obviously, it's not incredibly believable because, I mean, yeah, who gives $10 million to, like, whoever wins this stupid game? But, I mean, if you can look past that and you want something that's, you're in the mood for something lighthearted, something really funny, something that's sweet and not poignant, but it's heartfelt, and it's wrapped up with a bow in this cute little Mayberry-like town, then you'll really like it. Uh, and that was called The Only Game in Town by Lacey Walden. I just want to say that there are some of us who need bangs. She really didn't want bangs. It's that kind of situation. You know what I mean? You said it like bangs was a bad thing. I'm like, what's wrong with bangs? <laughs> it's like, look at this. You know how you have to that's why you I know have how bangs. you have to get your own bangs. Like yeah. you can't tell somebody and you can't cut your own bangs. Yes, you can. I cut my own bangs every Okay, you can then, but bangs are just a decision you have to make and you have <laughs> She's to like, backpedaling. She's trying to make it so that bangs Do you guys bad. seriously not know this? This is always a thing. Like on Facebook, I'm constantly seeing things where people are like, Okay, I know the pandemic was huge. I know there's a pandemic, but do not cut your own bangs for the first time. That's really a bad idea. Like you can't do bangs on a spur of the moment decision. You're right. You can't. 
Like that's, that's one of the things you gotta think about. long and hard about. It's like a tattoo. Don't just go and get a drunken tattoo of something. Fair. And Pat, what'd you say, Pat? That bangs are one of those things you like because your hairdresser says, "Did you trim your own bangs?" And you always go, "No." Even if you did, it's like when your hygienist says, "Have you been flossing?" And you go, "Yes." <laughs> even if you haven't, which is the biggest lie <laughs> ever. Bangs, Nobody fucking flosses. Liar. Bangs and flossing are the two things you always lie about. I didn't. Li- hey, I don't lie for about one that. One thing, I floss all the freaking time because shit gets stuck in my teeth. And I tell my hairdresser every time I cut my own bangs, so it's probably uneven as all get out. See, right I now. tell I tell my hairdresser that too. But Bonnie once you have them, that's like maintenance. World. It is maintenance. I could not just take my hair and be like, "Oh, I'm no. going to make bangs now." No, you that's couldn't. ridiculous. No. Yeah, see, I probably would. This is my the this is so much cheaper than Botox because <laughs> the crease it covers the crease. All right. I get you. I have the crease. Okay, Pat. Okay. I read a book called Escape from Lucania by David Roberts. It is a true life adventure story about mountaineering. Hmm. I had not heard of Mount Lucania before. It is in, technically it's in Canada. It's in, they approached it from Alaska, but it's, uh, it's right on the border between Canada and or between Alaska and the Yukon Territory in Canada. And it is the seventh highest mountain in North America. Hmm. This uh, climb that was the, it's about the first people who climbed it and that happened in 1937. So we are looking at pre all the fancy lightweight but very warm sort of mountain climbing equipment they have now. I mean, big heavy, basically cotton canvas tents, not the fancy, the rip proof, the Gore-Tex, the waterproof stuff. No, they, they had, they had heavy stuff that gets wet and sodden. And and so the two guys who climbed it were fairly young men, mid twenties at the, at the most. And the book was written decades after this climb but they were still alive. They were in their 90s. Both of them lived into their 90s. And so the author did extensive interviews with them and uh, even went back and visited the site with one of them that flew over it. They didn't make him climb up the mountain again when he was like 95. But it's a book that gives you some insights into the history of mountaineering, which I had almost no knowledge of. I didn't realize it really wasn't a big thing until not long before that. It was the toward the end of the 1800s that mountain that anybody started saying, hey, there's a really big, tall, cold, windy, miserable piece of real estate. Let's get to the top of it. And so <laughs> that be, that became a thing. And one of the really major forces in these early days of mountaineering was the HMC, the Harvard Mountaineering Club. So yeah, a bunch of a bunch of smart rich boys <laughs> who <laughs> wanted to go out and climb mountains. And they did. So these two guys climbed Mount Lucania, uh, 17,000, maybe 120 or so feet. Needless to say, because of course, otherwise where I, where I write the book, things did not go as smoothly as they'd hoped. Uh, for starters, the weather was unusually warm. They climbed it in July, but Unlike other mountaineering expeditions, the thing they did that was really different was they hired an Alaskan bush pilot to fly them in to base camp 
Well, it was warmer than normal. And this bush pilot who had a plane on skis came in, landed on the glacier and found out that the glacier had basically turned to slush <gasps> the top several feet of it. So his plane sinks into this slush and he's stuck there with the two of them. Oh. And it was uh, uh, four or five days before he could take off again. They had to keep digging this slush. They'd spend all day digging the slush out of the way, oh. trying to make enough of a runway for him to get the plane out of there. And finally they did. They managed to get him out of there, but the conditions were so bad that he said, I cannot come back. This meant two things. There was supposed to be a party of four climbing the mountain. These two had gone in as an advanced party so they could not get their other two party members to them. So it became a two-man expedition instead of a four-man. And it also meant he wasn't going to be able to come back and pick them up afterwards. So they had to walk out to some other place where they could get in touch with civilization again. So the two of them have far more equipment than they could possibly carry because they're down half their party. And they had to keep constantly going through their stuff and sorting out, well, we can do without this, we can do without that, and leaving piles of things. And they made the point that this, in the early days of mountaineering, no one thought about leaving trash on the mountains. No one, Now it's a big deal because like Everest is littered with old oxygen tanks and and other pieces of equipment that have been discarded along the way. And they said that was not something they worried about. So they said, oh yeah, we don't need to, we have three sleeping bags. We don't need that. They, in fact, they got down to one sleeping bag and the two of them shared it right, because it was just too much weight to carry. So they had, they were constantly getting rid of equipment. They did manage, you know, the actual climb was pretty arduous, but nothing really untoward happened in the first part of the climb. They achieved the summit. They took some pictures. They were like, okay, now we're gonna walk down toward this other place because we can't go back the way we came. The plane can't come and get us. So they had a vague idea of where this little town was along a lake and that they were gonna get to it, but they didn't have a good map to follow for one thing. And that's why the name of the book is not climbing Mount Lucania, but escape from Lucania, because it was getting out where the really arduous part of things happened. And amongst the most difficult things they faced was between them and this little town is the Donjek River, which was in the middle of July being fed by the runoff from uh. heat generated. And it was not a little friendly river. It was a raging torrent and they darn near killed themselves trying to get across it. Uh, and at this point, they're running out of food because they've had to discard stuff. And they counted on, they knew that there had been a major cache of food left by a party that had climbed another nearby mountain. They knew exactly where it was. They were out and they said, and they counted on getting there and getting that food and they got to it and it had bears had gotten into it and wiped it out. Uh, some other difficulties happened. I won't give away too many things because I don't want to give too many spoilers, but it's a pretty good tale of true life adventure and the hazards and difficulties that people go through in an effort to get to that highest place that no one has gotten to before. 
So at least it wasn't in Antarctica. That was not minus 75 degrees. It was, it never got colder than minus 20. So, you know, walk in the park. Uh, that was another thing that amazed me was the sun on the glaciers and how much it heats them up. There were days when, because of the sun being reflected from the glacier they were climbing, the temperature in their tent got up to 114 degrees. And then at night, it was down to 20. So they were they were dealing with some major temperature swings. But other than that, the weather really, the weather wasn't the worst of their problem, except that because it was warmer than expected, they had a whole lot more water and runoff and raging rivers to deal with. Uh, but it's a it's a good true life adventure, and it'll give you some history of mountaineering in general. So that is Escape from Lucania by David Roberts. Awesome. Okay. The book I read this week is called The Anomaly by Hervé Letelier. Letelier. French, obviously, in translation by Adriana Hunter. This was a really kind of a familiar story because I've read several different iterations of the basic theme before in different, I think Stephen King actually, The Langoliers was a similar type story. But the way this works is in June of 2021, a plane lands. It's a Paris to New York flight. But the problem is the exact same plane had already landed in March. Same flight, same people, everything. So obviously when the plane, when the pilot starts to communicate with the tower, they're like, what did you say your name was? You know, and they're going through all this. When they land, the FBI is there. They've got all kinds of different people waiting for them when they, when they actually land. This basically turned out to be, it wasn't really, it was a slow book, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It was, it was cool because what it did is it, it looked at the consequences of having something like this happen, meaning all of the philosophical questions that you're thinking right now. So say you took a flight to Minnesota. Let's say I came back from Minnesota on a day in July, and then several months later, I land again. So there are two of me now. So what, what it turned out to be is, first of all, they had to try to figure out what actually happened. So, of course, they're talking about all these different theories about what could be happening. Is it a wormhole? You know, is it this? Is it that? And sort of what they settle on is that it's we live in a simulation. Not for sure, but that's sort of what the what they start to talk about the most is is the idea that everything we do, everything we are was created as a simulation. And then then what? I mean, what what are we? What what kind of life are we living? So so it turned out to be instead of a mystery about this flight, it was more like a real problem because society became began to totally freak out about it. Of course the religious people were 
up in arms about it. They had a one of the passengers with her double. They called them March and June because that's when the planes landed. So this girl, two versions of her, are on a talk show. And when she leaves, she's shot in cold. They're both shot by this religious fanatic because he thinks they're the devil. It follows several of the passengers through different things, but it's mostly about society and how they would deal with a situation like that and whether they could survive it or not. It was I actually thought that it was a cool book because I remember when The Sims first came out and I didn't want to play it because it freaked me out that my Sim was just going to be sitting there the whole time I wasn't playing. A bit like a Tamagotchi or, you know, some of these other things, the Sim. And obviously I knew that that wouldn't happen, but it was a weird kind of, you know, you create this thing and then it just has to wait for you to come back. What the hell? So I, I kind of had already thought about that at one point. You know, thought about the idea of what if the earth was, you know, created in a computer simulation for somebody's science project in 2525. And we're just playing out the scenario that was created on based on the parameters that the computer has. So it's kind of cool to watch somebody play that idea out on paper. It definitely wasn't a very fast-moving novel, and it had a bunch of different types of people in it, but I really enjoyed it. I, I wouldn't give it a five-star, and it's definitely not the kind of novel that everybody's going to like, but I really enjoyed it, and the best thing about it was is it made me think a lot about all these different possibilities and all the what-ifs that just sort of energize me into looking at the world around me with different eyes. There was also a book involved where there was the guy who wrote the book, The Anomaly, and he was on the plane. So there was a little bit of extra weirdness in there that had to do with that. So once again, that was called The, An the Anomaly by Hervé Letelier and translated by Adriana Hunter. So do they try to escape from simulate is it like the matrix no 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 nothing like that um imagine us right now we're here what if somebody told you that this what we're living in right now is a simulation you can't escape from it you're in it this is it this is well, what all of us if you take the right color pill you can <laughs> no it's it's it it's not like the matrix it, because the matrix was i'll help pat i okay. know how to explain right. it <laughs> okay, Pat. So that episode of Star Trek: Next Generation, where they where they they say that they want Moriarty to be um, a good enough person to foil Data, and then Moriarty ends up being sentient and realizes <laughs> that he's in that stupid um, holo holodeck, mm -hmm. and time passes, and they're like, "Oh, holy shit! We didn't mean to do that. That's not cool. He shouldn't know that time's passing, because uh, that's uh -huh. a rotten thing to do. You can't make somebody." aware of the fact that they're in a fake universe it would freak us out if it what would we do what would we do if we found out about that there's there's no way to verify that that would be the case i mean it our eyes don't deceive us we live in our own reality it was just really um 
because of course he's t- he's thinking about it and the author's talking about it throughout this whole thing and all of the repercussions of something like that happening the people that they call initially are these students from MIT who created this task force of all the possible uh, how to fix anything type thing but when they reach this one question like if you flip a coin it it does this 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 or this or this and then the the last scenario they came up with was if you flip a coin and it just hangs there in the air then what well that could never happen because but then they they ended up getting this black phone type situation where you know they had to stay on call forever and then 20 years later they get this call on this black phone that says you have to come and solve this problem because you came up with this idea so they call these two people back that came up with this idea and say okay (laughs) now what (laughs) something happened that we can't explain so now what what do we do Hmm. it was really thought-provoking feel like horton here's a who Horton hears, yeah. a, Horton hears a who? All I can think about is, remember that one, uh, Men in Black, like the galaxy was on that, um, yes. that cat collar? Yes. And mm-hmm. then at the end of it, it shows the Earth, but the Earth is a marble and like yep. other aliens are playing with, with the Earth as a marble yep. in this game. Well, and the other Here's know. a Who is a children's book by Dr. Seuss that's like the same thing. Like Horton's yeah. this big elephant. Oh, yeah. And like there's some speck or something and it's this whole village. Right. Or like um, Weird. the Grinch that stole Christmas is about the village, or I mean, the whole society that's on a snowflake. Yep. And the, the interesting. Um, like Whoville is on a snowflake. The, it is? I never knew that. Yeah. If you um, watch the original one, it's at the beginning of it, or um, it's probably in the book too. Um, I think it is. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've read the book. But if you watch the original, you know, that came out like in the freaking like 50s or whatnot, mm-hmm. that's extremely inappropriate because he's very abusive to his dog. <laughs> Among <laughs> other things. They still show it. The thing that I found really fascinating about all of these discussions that were happening is at first, the religious people were like, see, you were created by this supreme being. But at the same time, it was so, it, none of it was making any sense from that standpoint. So they ended up ultimately discarding the whole idea and going with, you know, of course, you still had people who, who believed that that was the case. But the majority of the people, like, it didn't happen like I thought it might, where everybody would go, oh, see, this is the case, and so therefore we all have to go this way. But it didn't make any sense to the way they were explaining it in this book that somebody was actually controlling it. It was more like they set up the parameters and let it run. It was still... I know what I'd I'd do if the... if I knew the world was fake, what anything, anything I wanted because nothing would be real, but you we're real. The hell you wanted. No, not you really. You could put Crocs on anything that you wanted oh, to. Oh, you would do that. Crocs you? for everyone. In the funny universe, everything would have Crocs on it. <laughs> Jesus. Crocs are comfortable. 
They are comfortable. All the healthcare professionals wear them. They're I'm comfortable. I'm speechless. They're I got nothing. Stylish. Oh, they're not stylish. <laughs> they don't have to be. They're comfortable. Well, we obviously came right back around to Crocs. How many times have we begun and ended this fucking show with Crocs? How many? Huh? I don't know. I don't remember. As many as it takes you to understand that Crocs are made. Oh my God. Crocs are awesome. That's never. Yeah, they have never going to happen. Different styles. I bet you would find some that you would like. That is not going to happen. You're such a Croc snob. I am. I'm a crock block. <laughs> Way to be a crock block, Martha. So oh, if you just... like to wear crocs and you like to get high, are you a crock pothead? <laughs> <laughs> that way it's a slow cooker. You can stay high all day. Yeah. <laughs> Six to eight hours, baby. <laughs> a crock pot head. That's so awful that it's funny. Throwing some eggs and special mushrooms and have you a really good <laughs> breakfast for dinner. <laughs> breakfast for dinner and you won't be getting up for a couple days. What, my penis shots? Yes. I know they're amazing. There are these tiny little penis glasses filled with Baileys with whipped cream on top. Yeah, I tried to show. There's a whole video of him making them. I tried to I want to see everybody drinking them. That would be hilarious. Have a whole line of That's probably the kind of thing that you can't sucking. use your hands and you have to That's like, oh, that's <gasps> a blowjob right there. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. That's what I was going to say. It's just a blowjob. Yeah, but have it's you in never a cool had glass. one of those? I, I have. Personally, Are... I have never had a blowjob. <laughs> I don't have the equipment for it. Blowjobs aren't just Bailey. What are, what are blowjobs? I mean, I've had them, but I can't remember. Are they Baileys and cream? I don't think you I can really know. Google that either because you're going to get one hell of a... I could. You're going to get... Your algorithm's going to get all excited. My algorithm is so fucked up anyway. Ooh, how to make a sleazy blowjob. There's like difference. A sleazy blowjob? What's the difference between a regular blowjob and a sleazy blowjob? Amaretto versus Bailey's. The trailer park. Which, which is sleazier? <laughs> what is the, the amaretto? One? Which is sleazier, Bailey's or amaretto? Hold on. No, I have to dig deeper now. Uh-oh. So a blowjob is Kahlua, Bailey's, and then whipped cream. But if you want, what did I say? Is it a sleazy one? Sleazy? Mm-hmm. It's uh, amaretto instead of the Kahlua. Wait, aren't Kahlua and amaretto the same thing? No, no. Kahlua is kind of no, like no, coffee-ish. No. Oh, okay. And amaretto is almond. Almond. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then yes, that's the difference. Why? Why is why are why? Ooh, how to lip tease the blowjob shot? Maybe because amaretto is supposed to taste like like a ball sweat. Gross! <laughs> oh my god! Makes <laughs> Seriously? Well, there goes any chance of getting amaretto to advertise on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and that's gonna do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. 
and join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.